Welcome to Tax Boss. I'm Meryl Bailey in Orlando, Florida. And I'm Crystal Woodbury in Denver, Colorado. We're each licensed as attorneys and also CPAs. We help our clients get the best results because we work well with their trusted advisors. Tax Boss is a podcast for advisors from multiple professions to get together to discuss common client issues and how we can work together to solve them. Meryl, we both have business owners ask us often, I'm ready to hire. Do I want an employee or an independent contractor? Or Crystal, the clients come in after they've been audited and the IRS has told them, hey, you've been treating this employee as an independent contractor, but we think it's really an employee and we want you to pay all the taxes. This was a big issue in California when Uber was sued for misclassifying their drivers as independent contractors. Well, Uber thought they were classifying them fine, but nay, nay, Fluffy, the IRS and other agencies said, no, they have to pay the drivers in California and Massachusetts $100 million in expenses, including mileage and tolls, because the IRS says they are employees, not independent contractors. Yes. If you're a business owner, including a sole proprietorship or a disregarded entity, hiring or contracting with other individuals to provide services, you must determine whether the individuals providing the services are employees or independent contractors. But Crystal, you know, if if Uber can't get it right with all of their resources and all of their lawyers, how are the poor sole proprietors like the rest of us supposed to know what to do? That's a good question. And there's no overall one shoe fits all way to know whether it's an independent contractor or whether it's an employee. And the IRS looks at each situation on a case by case basis. Because that's so efficient. You know, one of the reasons I went to law school was I was a CPA forever, as you know, and I would ask a CPA, you know, one plus one, and they'd say two, and I'd say to a lawyer, one plus one. And they'd be like, well, it depends. And it made me so crazy to hear it depends all the time that I thought, well, I'm just going to go to law school because I can't stand it anymore. So now every time the word it depends come out of my throat, I just, I choke on those words, but that's really what this situation is. It really is fact-based plus what the IRS thinks it should be, whether or not it really is. Yeah. And fortunately, the IRS provides some guidelines and that I we can use. Um, those guidelines. <laughs> yeah. Um, and what the IRS looks at is behavioral control, financial control, and the type of relationship. Okay. So let's talk about behavioral control. So I hire someone to do social media for me, for example. I want the, the person to edit my blogs or write some blogs independently, um, post cute pictures of Abe Lincoln, the Great Dane puppy on Facebook and do silly things like that. I tell them what tools to use because I want to use certain um, media sources. I want, I give them very detailed instructions on what I want 
them to say and what I think it should look like. And I might have to train them how to do it and, and, and what to do. But then once I'm done with it, I'm like, well, I want you to do five, uh, five a week or five a month and send me an invoice. Is that how much behavioral control have I given? Well, and, and it depends. <laughs> See? <laughs> and I think, <laughs> um, I think what the IRS really looks like is when you're giving the instructions and when you're controlling them. Um, and they do say, even if you don't exercise the right to control the work, um, if you have the right to direct and control their work, then they are an employee. And especially in that social media realm, Meryl, I think a lot of us, it is gray, whether someone who's doing your social media is an employee or is an independent contractor. Well, and, you know, one of the things that they used to look at is, does the employee have to show up at your office and, you know, are they working on your equipment? Well, now that everyone basically is working from home, whether they want to or not, that's something that they really won't be able to say for behavioral control anymore. Right. Right. Or the time of day that they're doing the work. If they're doing the work during business hours, are you controlling it more than if they're doing it in the evening or in the middle of the night? And I think we even see it as estate planners. We're not just doing our work during business hours. We may take an afternoon off and draft an estate plan in the evening. If you have a contract drafter, are they an employee or can they be an independent contractor? Right. Because if, you know, we've been looking at that and what if we hired someone in, you know, another state or another time zone to do drafting for us overnight? Um, you know, I would be, I would be giving them the scenarios I wanted them to use. I'd be giving, making sure they had access to the software I wanted them to use. I would have to make sure that they have all the equipment I want them to use, but I'm doing all of those things for my employees but I wouldn't want, I mean, I'm not going to say, you know, I don't want them to have access to my database. You know, it, it's really, it's so fact-based and it's so wiggly. It is absolutely a, an item for concern. Now, what I would say for someone who is doing drafting, I would probably pay them a flat fee per product. Whereas for my, you know, staff is hourly. But on the other hand, I have other part-time people that I would pay to do things on an hourly basis that I guess I could pay on a per piece basis. But, you know, so if I had someone come in and do scanning for me, a big scanning project, because we, you know, we're moving offices, for example, should I pay them by the pound? that they scanned? Or do I pay them by the hour? I don't think they're really an employee because it's a very short term focused project. You know, is that an independent contractor or is it an yeah. employee? Yeah. And, and there are other, I think that kind of goes into the financial control that you have over employees versus independent contractors, the method of payment, um, whether you as the employer are making, a are making a significant investment into the equipment that the person's using, um, unreimbursed expenses, employees get reimbursed, independent contractors typically don't get reimbursed in the same manner. Um, 
And then again, the method of payment, whether they're paid a wage or hourly versus a flat fee. Yeah. But, but again, there's no clear answer and it's really a case by case determination. Well, I know they also look at the type of relationship and that is also very wishy-washy. You know, I might have someone who does a specific project for me. Maybe I have somebody come in once a year or once a quarter to decorate the office, put up seasonal items. Um, I would pay them a flat fee. I could pay them hourly. They might have done it for the last seven years. Are they an employee? I don't think so. I think they're an independent contractor. But if one of the types of relationship is how long they've been doing this, well, they've been doing it for years. Um, You know, do I have a written contract that describes the relationship? Sure. Do I say they're an independent contractor? Sure. But just because I say it's so doesn't mean the IRS will agree. Um, You know, do you offer benefits to these people? Do I, I don't usually pay the part-time or seasonal or whatever people uh, vacation pay or sick pay or anything like that. Um, But I do have part-time people that I consider staff, you know, so it's just a very, yeah, it's kind of like the, what's that old definition of pornography, you know, when you see it. Um, I think that's the way the department right. and the IRS is. They 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 think they know it when they see it, but it's one of those things that, depending on where you are standing, it could look very different. So I can understand why Uber thought they were independent contractors, and I can understand why the IRS and the Department of Labor thought that they were employees. Yeah, and I've had, and and you've probably had it um, in your career too, where clients, whether they are the employer or the independent contractor or employee, will come in with an independent contractor agreement and say, no, no, this person is an independent contractor because we have an independent contractor agreement. And just because there's an agreement isn't enough in and of itself to establish that it truly is an independent contractor agreement. And and a lot of times I tell clients, the more freedom and flexibility the more likely they will fall on the independent contractor side. But it's really helpful if whoever you are, um, we don't want to say employing as an independent contractor, hiring as an independent contractor. Yes, engaging as an independent contractor is doing this same type of thing for somebody else. Well, you know, looking at the, the items that the IRS and the Department of Labor look at for the behavioral control, the financial control, and the type of relationship. It appears to me, looking at it from this standpoint, that the Uber drivers were absolutely independent contractors. Um, did, did Uber make a significant investment in the equipment they use? No, they were using their own cars. Were they paying them for mileage and things? No, they weren't. They were paying on that you know flat fee based on the ride. Um, did they, how much did they, did they tell them when they had to work and where they had to work? No, they could work whenever they wanted to, wherever they wanted to. Did they give them benefits? No. Like, could they work today and not work tomorrow? Sure. They could work whenever they wanted to. So I can completely see why Uber had a really good argument that they were not employees, but it didn't really matter, did it? Because they were deemed that they were employees, not independent contractors. Yeah. 
you know, and, and I have to say, if I were advising a client who was in this similar situation before the Uber case, I may have advised the same as, as Uber was advised that they were independent contractors because it, it looks and smells like independent contractor. Yeah. So they, the department of labor, um, has some more things that really are kind of interesting that talk about, you know, how integral are the services rendered to the principal's business? Well, without the drivers, there is no Uber. Right. You know, so to me, like, okay, we look at all these other things, but then what really are they doing? On the other hand, if you had a law firm that was, you know, we, we, you and I hear about a lot of uh, firms. I don't know any though, but there's a lot of firms that outsource all of their legal work to India. Mm-hmm. Is that are those people employees or not? I mean, if how integral is getting all the documents done from somebody across the world? I would say pretty integral, but what do I know? Pretty, yeah. It it follows a lot of the Uber case law that you're not profitable if you don't have someone else doing that work, or you would have to hire someone internal who is an employee to do that work. Right, right, right. Um, but I think it's interesting that the Department of Labor doesn't care where the work is performed, whether or not they have a signed agreement, um, whether there's any type of licensing or when they're paid or how. The Department of Labor doesn't care about those things. The IRS does, but the Department of Labor does not. Right, right. So, Crystal, you you blew my mind when you talked about statutory employee to me before we started recording. So, please. Um, Talk to me about this, because this is a term I've never heard before. So, Meryl, a statutory employee is a cross between an employee and an independent contractor. They are treated as an employee for employment tax purposes and like an independent contractor for income tax purposes. Fortunately, there are only four very specific categories of workers that can be designated as statutory employees. I just want to beat myself with a stick. Okay, so there's this whole hybrid thing now that we have to look at. Yes. So the four categories are some drivers who distribute non-milk beverages, meat, produce, or bakery products, if they are agents of the company and paid on commission. (laughs) Okay, that's pretty specific. Yes. Poor people delivering milk. I don't I don't what? know. I don't they're, them. they're either an employee or an independent contractor. <laughs> um full-time life insurance agents selling insurance primarily for one company. Peace okay. workers, peace workers who work at home on materials or goods that you supply and you specify the work to be done. And the goods or materials are returned to you. They're not shipping them out. And then the fourth is full-time traveling salesperson. If the work performed for you, the employer, is this person's principal business. The person turns in orders to you and the goods sold must be merchandise for retail or supplies used in the buyer's business. So... (laughs) <laughs> would this include would this include 
drug salespeople. I can, I'm trying to think who's a full-time traveling salesperson anymore. Certainly not in the time of COVID. Right, right. And nobody's selling encyclopedias anymore. <laughs> or, or vacuums. Right, right. My brother Dwight made a fortune selling vacuums after high school. The Maybe first vacuum, in high school, I don't remember. The first vacuum I remember my parents getting was this rainbow vacuum that someone sold door to door and you had to fill the base with water and it was super heavy. And then all the gunk would go in the water and you had to clean that out. It was so gross. Ooh. So gross. I think it was called a rainbow vacuum. So why would it, what, what does it matter to an employee? Why does an employer care if this person is an independent contractor, a statutory, what is it? Statutory employer, statutory, statutory employee, employee or an employee? Mm-hmm. Cause now we've got this, we've got this range. Yes. So if you classify a worker as an independent contractor, the quote unquote employer can eliminate the employer's share of of FICA, Social Security and Medicare taxes, overtime and minimum wage, health insurance premiums, retirement benefits, vacation, holiday, and sick pay, fringe benefits, um, unemployment compensation taxes, and workers' compensation insurance premiums on those independent contractors. So it decreases the cost to the employer of having that individual or entity do work on their behalf. Yeah. So it's, it's better for the employer if the person's an independent contractor. It is. And arguably the employer could then pay a bit more because they're eliminating a lot of the, the benefit and taxes that they would pay to an employee. Right. So the employer or the company that's engaging this person would consider it logical to be paying more for the independent contractor because the independent contractor is covering all these things, these things and, and making a fee, much like hiring another company to do things. So what happens if you hire somebody that has a limited liability company, for example, you know, somebody sets up a single member LLC, it's their company, they are offering their services to multiple people. If I happen to hire that person for 40 hours a week through their company, are they an independent contractor or are they an employee? I think you have to look at all the factors of that employment or that relationship and see how much control you have, how much infrastructure you're supplying them, just like you would if it were an individual. Yeah, so a a corporate shell does not solve the problem. It does not. You still have to look at the same factors as if it were an individual. Okay. So what if the IRS decides or the Department of Labor decides that you are a lying sack of whatever and you knew (laughs) all these people were employees, but you treated them as independent contractors just because you didn't think you'd get caught? What happens? So the IRS looks at whether this misclassification was unintentional, if it was intentional, like you did it on purpose, or if it was fraudulent. If it was unintentional, the employer faces penalties based on the fact that all payments 
to the misclassified contractor now have to be reclassified as wages. So the employer would have to pay in the employer's share of FICA and Medicare from the time of this misclassification. If if it was misconduct, intentional misconduct or fraud, the IRS can impose additional penalties and fines um, that can include penalties of 20% of all the wages paid plus 100% of both the employee and the employer's share of the FICA taxes. Well, that's pretty hefty. Yep, and it it could get worse. There could also be criminal penalties that could oh include a prison that could include a prison sentence. Oh, so this would be when you when the IRS shows up and they're wearing a gun. These are the people that you have to really worry about because you're looking at a criminal pro- um, problem. Um, and if you're a business. So you say you have an LLC or an S corporation or whatever. So we have liability protection under this umbrella of the limited liability company. You could be personally liable for the uncollected, uh, not turned in taxes. So it doesn't just fall on your business. It could fall on you personally. Oh, but that's, that's not um, anything new. I mean, the IRS, is always willing to go after you personally if you don't pay the payroll taxes. Right, right. And and I do think oftentimes, but not all the time, there is a pretty clear line between whether you did it unintentionally and whether you knew this was an employee, but you chose to call it an independent contractor relationship. Well, there's going to be times when you have people doing work for you who don't want to be considered an employee for whatever reason. They may have a non-compete with another company that even though what they're doing for you has nothing to do with the other company, it doesn't allow them to work elsewhere. Um, they might be getting, you know, if for the benefits, let's say, let's say the benefits include um, health insurance. Well, they might be included under their spouse's health insurance and not need the health insurance and would rather not get the benefits and get a higher pay. So I can see there's reasons why an employee or a the worker might want to be treated as an independent contractor in certain instances. Yeah. But I don't think they get to choose either, right? The, the facts are going to decide what's going <laughs> no, on. No, they don't. Right. Right. And I think if that truly is the case, then you find a workarounds to fit within the guidelines that the Department of Labor and IRS set out. Maybe they work less or they have more flexibility so that it, it really is an independent contractor relationship for that period that you need it to be. And then it can become more. What if makes sense. you just don't know what to do? Like, like you can't, like it could be one, it could be the other. So like, for example, Uber, if Uber hadn't been so convinced that they were independent contractors, what could they have done in advance of creating this entire structure based on them being independent contractors only to get smacked down later that they're, that the IRS and Department of Labor were going to con- consider them employees? So you can file what's called, called a form SS8 with the IRS, and it can be filed by either the business or the worker. 
and the IRS will review the Form SS-8 with all the supporting documentation, the facts and the circumstances, and they will make a determination of the worker status. Oh, you know, I that that's so funny that that name that number just rang a bell for me um years and years and years ago or for decades i volunteered doing tax returns down at the at legal aid um and it was so interesting because you would think that the people coming for free help would have very easy tax situations and instead it was some of the most complicated return situations I've ever dealt with. Um, you know, the people that day laborers, they would have 25 1099s for being for being a t- day laborer at different places. Um, but I remember one person came coming in and the they were explaining to me what they were doing and it sounded like they should have been treated as an employee. And the person instead of sending them a W2 sent them a 1099. And I filled out an SS8 and sent it in. And I, I have no idea whatever happened. That was years ago. <laughs> well, and it can take at least six months to get a determination. But if you are in the business of continually hiring the same type of worker, it may make sense if you don't have a black and white answer to the question. Yeah, right. Right. So perhaps Uber's legal counsel or CPAs or someone should have said we should send in an SS8. However, honestly, Crystal, I would have looked at the Uber situation and advised them that they were clearly independent contractors. I think I would have too. But I guess it doesn't really matter what we would have done because that's not what no. happened. <laughs> no, nobody asked me. They got in that situation. I mean, I've, if all of your advisors are telling you it's an independent contract, you don't need to worry. What are you going to do? Right. Right. If, if the whole, all the choir singing the same tune. So what do you suggest? Yeah, I don't. What, so what should... The advisors listening to our podcast, Crystal, what should they do? Well, I, I, for me, and, and I'm more, a little more conservative on the advice giving. Anyway, if the answer isn't clear, it may be prudent to err on the side of caution and classify the worker as an employee. Um, but it also may make sense to file an SS8. Yeah. Well, if you did that, at least you'd have a six month or so risk instead of a Uber hundred million dollar risk. Right. Right. And and I most of my clients at least that I'm walking through this process with aren't on the scale of Uber as far as business coming in and, and what they're paying their independent contractor or employee. Right. Cause you know how my clients would be more like they've got, Oh, someone who cleans the office once a week or a landscaper that comes in and does the lawn. Uh, but it's not for personal. So I don't think it would be household help. It would be business help. Like 
are they un independent contractors or are they employees? They come the same time. You tell them what to do. You know, um, I think those clearly are independent contractors, but, yeah. and they're get they would get a 1099 from me, but you know, or I would tell my clients to send them, but maybe yeah. they, maybe their department of labor would say something different. Yeah. And, and we have a lot of along that same realm, like bookkeepers, people who have a bookkeeping business. Yep. And different businesses hire this bookkeeper to, to keep their books or reconcile their bank accounts, pay invoices, that sort of thing. Um, and there are a lot of little things that I have my clients look at, like, does this person that you're hiring have their own insurance covering their business practices? Ah, to me, that's an important factor because they, that shows that they're doing it for more than just the one company. They're holding themselves out so that anybody could hire them in that capacity. Yeah. But how many lawn people or house cleaners have that who else would it be let's see people bring you know another thing that applies to law firms a lot is i know a lot of law firms that have a that are very small that have a group of people they can call to come in and act as witnesses and they pay them mm -hmm. you know 10 bucks a pop or 20, i don't know what they pay them they pay them some amount of money per um signing Mm -hmm. You know, if they did that often enough, they're telling them what to wear. They're telling them when to be there. They're telling them what to do. They couldn't do their job without them because you need the witnesses for the estate planning documents to get done. Um, you know, that, that could go either way as well. Yeah. Remember, great advisors work with each other. Contact us at taxbosses.com. Dot com with any questions, ideas, or if you'd like to be on the show.